difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. And you can stay over there. Stay. Cause this is revolution mixed with execution. We insane over here. And welcome back, everyone, to It's Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now join me on the line, this man here, well, he is going to be back back in action February 6th. And, well, he, he unfortunately, he's going to have to work through the holidays, as they say. He'll be training, getting ready, missing all the good stuff. But, well, he wants to get back in action. He'll be taking on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu specialist Danilo Marquez in a huge uh, fight. We're looking forward to seeing him get back into some, let's say, uh, less controversial fights. I give you once again New England zone. I give you Mike Rodriguez. Uh, so, Mike, you, Danilo Marquez. Uh, it, it's very simple here. If you, for you, I'm guessing it's keep the fight standing, use your power, and just play rock'em, soccer, and robots. He wants to take it down to the ground, try to submit you. Uh, for this fight, do you do things differently? Do you bring a lot of people to give you sort of an idea of what he'll try to do to take you down. Uh, yeah, I uh, just increased the volume of uh, wrestling and, gra- and uh, grappling just to, you know, counter his fight. So, like, more like 80-20 for grappling and wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Now, how tough is it facing guys – or facing guys like Marquez in terms of just finding people that big who are talented jujitsu-wise? Because, you know, the bigger you get, it's almost like the less you see jujitsu specialists. And unless you're coming from Brazil, and this guy is from Brazil, you don't see a lot of them around. They're just, you know, the bigger bodies are usually guys who come from different sports or are pure wrestlers or boxers. Uh, How tough is it finding guys who have, you know, that sort of jujitsu mentality of I can go from position to position, you know, fight off my back and fight, you know, when I'm on top. Um, it is a little tough because he's huge. He's six six, but I mean, uh we just, I'm just gonna work with the guys that I have that I have been working with. Um obviously I'll bring in some other guys, but I still gotta be careful with this whole COVID thing. So yeah, I will probably just keep it local with the guys that I've been working with. Now I'm gl- I'm glad you brought the six six because I know in other sports, boxing mostly, when you have a guy that taller, that, you know, long, usually they'll have guys who fight on boxes or they'll do, you know, sparring sessions where a trainer's on a box, gets you ready for that, that height, that, you know, the reach and everything there. Is that something you could do in MMA or not really because just it's the, the way that guys can take you down, you just get ready for everything? Uh, you just get ready for everything. You got to be ready for every part of the battle. I mean, but, but him being that tall, it's not I can do about that. Just work my game. <laughs> We're going to go back to that this in a bit, but and I've been trying to hold it off. Take us back to the last fight. Um, have you stopped throwing things at the TV? Have you stopped? Have you made peace? Have you stopped, stopped thinking about walking up to Chris Tognani and going, you really are a dumbass. You really, you really must be a dumbass. <laughs> Because I could see you after the fight, like, what oh, the shit. hell were you thinking? Even even Dana's looking at Chris going, you can't be that stupid. 
No, you really are that stupid. I mean, I can imagine the, the anger with the whole Herman thing. And how long has it taken you? I honestly, I wasn't mad. I was not mad at about. I didn't like. I don't fault Herman for anything. Like you know what I mean. It, like he did his part. Like he had an opportunity. He just capitalized on an opportunity. Uh, the ref, he made a mistake, but I, I don't hate him for it though. But man, I heard, I heard he was getting like death threats and shit, and like both of them. And I'm like, Jesus, like it don't have to be that harsh. But yeah, he he's still tighten up his game, man. If he wants to still be a ref. And I'm glad you're playing this off. But is there was there a bit of anger when that happened? Of just like, okay, wait a minute here, you. It was beneath. It was it wasn't a low blow. So you're looking at that, and then it's like, okay, he never really, he didn't take away a point. He didn't say it wasn't an illegal blow. And so you know, I'm watching this, going, what what's happening here? I mean, because even he must have been confused. Like, okay, what just happened? Because it looks like it was a knockdown. It looks like it was a knockout. He jumps in. You think, oh, it's a knockout. Then it's like, no, no, no. I, I made a mistake. It's it's, an, it's a blow blow. But then he, I mean. Is there an anger in terms of just how it all went down in terms of a confusion, it seems? Yeah, I was very confused. Like, in the uh, at the time it happened, I was like, oh, I hit him below the belt. I, I, I thought he was right. You know what I mean? I, I thought I hit him below the belt until I heard Bisping say, like, that was even below the belt. Like, that was, like, totally – he's like, oh, man, uh, Ed needs he – needs, he deserves an Oscar. And something told me to look up to the cage, look on Bub, because uh, Joe, Maze, and uh, Jake, my coaches, they all looked up, and they're like, this is bullshit. So I looked up, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, man, that was to the body. And so I was like, all right, like, whatever. And I just let it be, and I just like, all right, just trying to gear up and beat him up again. <laughs> Last on that here, because I know we, we went out on Monday, we had a show where we talked about you know, legal, you know, legal uh, instant replay boxing. They screwed that up here. How much did that just throw you off, though, when you're looking at it's three minutes? And people think, oh, you know, it's easy, blah, blah, blah. But it's three minutes of him now recovering. It's three minutes of you cooling down. How much do you look at that and go, that made all the difference in that fight? He got to recover. He got to get a second win. He got <clears> to understand what was going on. While he's doing that, I'm cooling down, and I'm no longer just – you know, ready to go. Everything's gone point. You had to almost, re, you know, re-get everything up again. Yeah. And it, it is, it sucks because um, it does, it can, and it did change, like, the whole tide of the fight. Like, it could change the momentum of the fight. So that that does suck. And uh, it's just, it's so unfortunate, but it's like, I don't even know. I, I, I don't, I don't really know how they're going to, how it's going to fix or how they fixed it. I don't even really know how, like, it doesn't really seem clear to me anyways, how the whole replay thing works. Because I thought it was for a fight-ending sequence, and I, I don't know. I have no clue. Are you surprised at the, the outpour of support you've gotten from the MMA community? Because after that fight, there were people, it seems like everybody, every fan, every fighter was basically going, yeah, my Michael Rodriguez deserved to win that fight. He, needs a, he deserves to get a win bonus here. I mean, for a guy who... As I said, you're still young in this sport in a lot of ways. It seemed yeah. like this community, you know, the MMA fans and the fighters basically went and said, you know what, we're in his corner here. We're backing him. I mean, how nice was it having people recognize that you deserve that win, but you fought a damn good fight. 
man, that that was amazing. The amount of love and support that I've been getting, still getting. Uh, that that was just beautiful to be part of something like that. That was awesome. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we get it's Mike Rodriguez here on the show. He's going to be once again, he'll be fighting February 6th against Danilo Marquez. We're talking all this. We're talking Tristan Nani. We're talking the controversial low blow. Let's talk about February 6th. Uh, you're fighting now through the weekend, which means Thanksgiving. You're going to have to put that on hold. You can't do too much. Uh, Christmas, no, no, no eggnog for you. No Christmas uh, hand that's off the menu. New Year's Eve, no, you're not going to be drinking. You got to get ready. I mean, I, I'm, I know that you like you enjoy the fight. I know that you are a professional. You're going to make weight. But how frustrating is it when it's like, crap, I got to get ready for this fight. I got to now you know, start cutting weight and making sure I don't balloon up like a Christmas turkey. <laughs> I, uh, eh, I'm like, I'm like, whatever. It's, it's whatever. It's part of the job. I just got to buckle down and get to it. But I do want I, – I, I am going to miss that Christmas ham, though. I love that Christmas ham. <laughs> and everybody loves eggnog. I mean, it's eggnog. You know, you just put some little special I love eggnog, eggnog, too. It makes the eggnog taste better. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> how does the family handle this? Because they're the ones who – they ride with you no matter what. So how are they helping in terms of making sure that the holidays are fun, but yet they're not just throwing food out there and eating it while you're going – Oh, I want some of that. I want some of that. I, well, God damn it, people, you're torturing me. My wife, she she's good about that. She'll uh, she'll make me like a whole spread uh, for Thanksgiving. And that's like exclusively healthy food for me. She's really good at that. Uh, she'll like add a little bunch of little things. She'll like, oh, make sure this is good for you to eat. So it's that is good in that regards. But of course, we want the mac and cheese, candy yams, and everything else. But it's gonna be a wait. <laughs> one of the things I know that's always tricky is you're getting to that point now where you've made a couple of fights of UFC and you're starting to rise at the rankings and we see with a lot of England fighters they're leaving now I mean, it's, it's easier to train in Florida it's easier to train in Vegas it's easier to train in California they have the better gyms they have the top equipment they have nutrition it's everything in your hand here especially with, with light heavyweight and it being so wide open do you ever think about that of going and trying to figure out ways you can scroll some money and go, all right, I'll take a trip down to MMA Masters or a trip down to America Top Team or a trip down to even, you know, Lugo uh, Sarah training camp where you can then get bigger guys. You can get more, you know, top sparring. I mean, is that a thought now that you're thinking, now that you've had a couple fights, or is it still just for you New England or bust? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm open to train at other places. I've trained at other places before. I, um, I don't do it often. I don't, I don't have the liberty to travel all the time like that. But if I did, you definitely bet your ass I would be. But, um, I just, again, just work on what I can work with, what I have, you know, I, I can't, I can't live like the lifestyle some of these other fighters be doing like live or traveling all over the place, whatever, and train at all these places. So we just stick mainly locally here and try to do the best that we possibly can. As I said before, it's the light world, light heavyweight division is wide open. Jan Blakovich yeah. is the champion. Uh, Devin Clark is a yeah. top contender. There's a, a lot of people thought, you know, that was a close fight when you first fought him in your USC debut. Uh, you yeah. should a lot of people think, hey, you should be right now 
three and two at the worst, maybe four and two because John Allen cheated his ass off and was on something here. How much do you start now focusing on, all right, eventually I want to start, you know, preparing for the Blackoviches, the Reyes, you, know, you know, I know you're famous, you're getting ready for Marquez, that's a fight on February 6th, you'll see fight night, but is there a part of you that's looking going, I want to get ready for the big dogs now? Yeah, I, I do want I do want to get there. I am going to get there. I just got to take it one fight at a time right now. So I'm not like trying to skip past anybody. You know, I, I just deal with one guy at a time as I'm going up there. But I'll, before you know it, I'll be in the mix. Sure. Last question we'll let you go. It's once again, UFC Fight Night 188, 188 the Luna Marquez, you, him, how much do you worry that you're going to hear those magic words? The referee for Marquez versus Rodriguez, Chris Tungnani. I mean, if that happens, <laughs> well, you don't know. They, I will, I, all of a sudden, I, I, I feel in cramps here. I'm getting a muscle pull. I mean, is there a part of me that's like, I am not having that guy referee my match ever again? I mean, I, I'm not going to be – I I'm not, I wouldn't be thrilled about it. I wouldn't be thrilled about it, but I, I – I don't think I can pick. I don't think I can swap my ref out or anything. So I was like, fuck it. Let's just do this. <laughs> just no, you make can, sure you I can, win. You can make a call, huh? Dana. Dana, look, just not him. I'll take anybody else. For God's sakes, I'll take Steve Mazzagatti, but not him. <laughs> I mean, I'll ask him, but I don't know if he, like, I can have any, he'll do it. But, uh, yeah, I just like, fuck it. I just got to do it. Oh, very heavily, Jim. Once again, they'll be almost all the way. It's we're still trying to figure out where the hell the date is. That's all, that'll be a whole different story, a different day. But he'll be taking on Danilo Marquez in a light heavyweight bout. I give you once again uh, the pride and joy of New England itself. I give you Mike Rodriguez. Uh, Mike, before we let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where's the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Uh, where can fans uh, hit up uh, Slow Rodriguez? Uh, fans can find me at Mrod MMA on uh, Twitter, and on Instagram, and on Twitch. Ladies and gentlemen, we're proud to have on the show. Once again, it is Mike Rodriguez. We'll always have a pleasure having on the show. We come back. We got a whole lot more here only on it is Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Welcome back, everyone, to It's Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on it is Blue Wire Hustle Network. And uh, join me on the line, this man here, well, he'll be fighting once again December 19th. And, well, we were very worried here. There was talk he retired. There was talk that he had uh, basically started his own commune farm. There was even talk that he had uh, 
left the United States when I was living on a monastery in some Asian country. Well, I don't know where, but we, it's all been proven false. I give you once again the gladiator himself. I give you it's Rick Glenn. Uh, so, Rick, 28 months, you have been fighting. You, as we talked off there, you moved back to Iowa. Uh, what the hell happened here? I mean, we were always used to your fights, but all of a sudden it was just, you stopped. What the hell happened to you, kid? Yeah, well, I'm glad to be back, guys. Gladiators here. I'm actually out here in the sticks. I had to step outside to get some cell phone reception. So, out here in the country, moved back to Iowa, moved back home. Uh, and due to the layoff, that's from, um, you know, due to my hip surgery. So, I had hip surgery. Um, after shortly after my last fight, um, November 2018. So it's been about two years since my last fight, uh, recovering from that and moved back home. And um, I've been grinding. You know, I, I, got, uh, I got two years invested in this next match. I've been thinking about getting back into the Coliseum and doing battle ever since my last fight. Let's start, let's start with the hip injury. I mean, usually... Those are things that you takes you think about before you do it because it's a pain in it's a pain not just a pain in the ass but it's painful in general. How bad was it? like when did it get to the point where you your wife and your team went okay? I, I really need a surgery. It's it's not getting get better by you know rehab and layoff. I need to get this fixed. Yeah, it was it was a long agonizing injury um you know and for a long time i thought it was back stuff wasn't really sure um got it looked at it actually you know happened in the fight and then i had um quite a few fights after it so i was able to grind through it and you know waking up in the mornings crawling out of bed for for quite a while um took me a while to get going and um it it really sucked it put a damper on my training and you know was tough on you know life was tough um but you know i'm i'm recovered now and i'm looking forward to to moving up to 155 from 145 and and putting on better performance and not having to have such grueling weight cuts how much did that take into the injury also the weight cuts because as i know but you know when you're doing all this stuff and you're trying to lose weight the most most thing you do is you run you you're on, you know, on the exercise bike, or you're doing a stairmaster, a treadmill, because you're just trying to, get, you know, burn that weight, burn that weight, burn that weight, and I'm guessing that probably didn't help the hips. So, for, how much do you feel just better now? But that last ten pounds, you don't have to cut. No, by the way, your hip isn't killing you every time you just move. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, that with the hip injury, it, it just the the risk and reward for the inflammation and the pain that I got from running just wasn't worth it so I, I I did tons of grappling tons of other martial arts training and and uh, you know strength training that I could mobility stuff and just to scratch me by for a while um and you know riding the bike and low impact stuff let's focus on your fight let's focus on good stuff here first uh you're back in the cage December 19th you versus Carlton Menace. uh Break it down for us here. Uh, what do you expect him to do? What kind of fighter is he? Uh, how much do you know about your opponent? Who he's he's one of those newcomers here. Yeah, he's actually coming down to one fifty five. So he's, um, you know, coming 
bathroom. 70, Walter Wade. Uh, probably a tough guy. Um, you know, used to the cold. It's getting cold here in Iowa, so <laughs> we know how it is. Um, I don't know too much about him. I think he's more of a striker, but I'm, I'm prepared for everything. When you have a guy like that who's cutting coming down a weight, which means for him it's going to be more of a bitch to do. Because let's face it, 170 to 155, that's not an easy cut. For you, I'm guessing it's much easier going from 145 to 155. How much does that change your game plan against a guy you feel probably will be coming in a bit drained, pissed off, but as you said, he's somebody who's not used to fighting at that weight. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure because he doesn't look like he's that big of a uh, Walter weight. So it, I'm just focused on my training and doing what I need to do and, and performing like I know I can. And now, not having any lagging injuries, I think, I think I'm going to go out there and smash um, no matter who they put me up against. Let's talk about your training for this camp. How nice is it having a camp now where, as you said, you can work on strength and conditioning, you are pain-free, you can put on power, and you don't have to worry about a weight cut that drains you that last two or three weeks. Oh, yeah, it's been awesome. And and now being back home, uh, we're close to family and, and some old old friends, uh, you know, just closer to some, some good people that uh, is nice to reconnect with and we have a home here, so um, it's nice to kind of reconnect with my home roots. Now, I'm curious why moving back, because you guys were happy in California. As you said, you were near a beach. There was water. Oh, by the way, you got to, uh, you know, be uh, near the beach. Like, well, why, would you, why would you change? Why move back? Yeah, you know, I, it just our home roots, you know, we want to be closer to home. Um, we have a home here, like I said, and um, remodeled it. And um, we actually have uh, our first child is on the way. So we wanted to uh, come back home and, um, you know, have an addition to our family. And my wife is expecting early February. So let's talk about that first. Congratulations, early congratulations on being a father. Uh... How much does that change your mentality now? Because it's, as you said, it's no longer you and your wife. You're not got a third yeah. little person on the way. And, and, you know, that's, if it's a boy, if it's a girl, that's now a pride and joy of your life. How much does that change the long-term outlook of you fighting? Oh, man. It, it changed. As soon as I knew, it's like I was already a pretty focused and uh, determined guy. And, you know, I'm just laser focused. Um, I'm more diligent about my time and, and, and who I'm around and, and what I'm. Yeah, I'm just a lot more focused now, I guess. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we've got it's uh, the gladiator himself, Rick Lynn, on the show. We're talking all things, of course. Coming up with a new father. We're talking his fight coming up on December 19th. We're talking the hip surgery. Let's talk about just not having MMA and not being able to fight. For you, you've always been doing that for years. I mean, as we 
we've talked about before, but you've been one of those guys who you're old school MMA. You've been fighting since 2006. Uh, I was one of the cons about being out for yeah. two years and having quasi regular life. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been different. You know, the first year went by really quick, actually. And then it, it did kind of hit me midway through there. And I was like, you know, shit, it's been a while. Like, you know, this, this, this has been my life. Like I dedicate my life. We, we moved across the country, um, you know, for the sport of MMA to dance in the sport. And I've been so absorbed in it for so long, even, you know, as a, as a, a kid, um, you know, coming up even, you know, before high school training and, um, just with this, uh, you know, vision of being one of the best martial arts in the world. Uh, just knowing, like, you know, I got I to gotta wait for my body to heal. Just let nature force first. And But, you know, I, I, can't, I got a little chip on my shoulder now from it, just having to sit out. And, um, you know, when my, I'm, I'm ready to go in my mind, but my body just wasn't, wasn't there yet. So I'm, I'm glad, uh, you know, I, I took time to, to heal my body and, and take care of it. And, and now I think I'm going to perform, perform like I should be. I know two guys who recently retired, two guys you probably know pretty well because you traveled in the same circles or you fought in the same cards at times, uh, John Fitch and also yeah. Ricardo Lamas. Both of them said at one point, we you did. get to the point where it's it, the fun leaves because you're either your body breaks down you realize you lose a lot because you're always training and fighting or you just it get the grind takes it out of you. Did that ever happen when you were, you know, basically recovering? Was there a point where you're going, you know what? I can retire. I fought in the UFC. I fought for world titles. I've done it all here. I could walk away and I won't miss not having to cut weight, fight injured, be injured, wake up sometimes and have to have my wife, get, you know, help me out of bed because some part of my body is just aching. Yeah, you're broken ribs, hips. Yeah, for sure. Definitely with the hip. And, you know, it's just like, just agonized and shitty over time. And, and then with the weight, you go to sleep. And there's times where you're, you know, I thought, like, fuck, you know, like, damn, you're blacked enough from cutting so much weight. And, He's wondering, you know, what, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's nice to see a lot of fighters are going up. You know, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do a lot better moving up to 155. It's gonna be a little more natural for me. Um, and yeah, I, I've been there. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have where they get nerves or whatever. But when you have injuries and then cutting a large amount of weight, you really, you know you really get to dive in and um, get to know yourself. So the last couple of questions, we'll let you go. What did you learn about yourself? Now that you've, as somebody said, you've been to hell and back. What did you learn? And what, what kind of man have you, did you discover yourself after all this time off? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I, I don't think I've ever said that, um, but 
I'm, I'm proud of myself. I, uh, you know, I can hold my head high and, and know I've, I've done my best and put my, you know, always put my best foot forward. Um, and I'm just, I'm glad I, I'm glad I'm a determined, confident uh, man. And, you know, I, I hope, uh, I, I plan on sharing that with our, our future children and you know, raising a good family and, and sharing those qualities and, and, you know, even the young men and other people that I train with, um, you know, I hope to share those qualities and improve with everyone else I encounter. December 19th, as you said, it's you versus uh, a very aggressive, very hungry, I'm guessing, Carlton Minas. When do you expect to have, you know, that moment where you have the emotion? And I know, I know it probably won't be the fight night because you'll be, you know, grilled in, but when do you, maybe they're during the press conference, maybe they're in the weigh-in. When do you expect to have that moment where it sinks in that you did it, you came back? Everybody wrote you off, including you know, more times, I'm guessing these last two years in the national debt, and yet you came back. You, you overcame the injuries, you overcame life, coronavirus, and went, you know what? You can't get rid of me that easily. I am back, baby. I'm back in the UFC. Well, for sure. This is the first interview I've MMA related interview I've done in two years. <laughs> so um, you know, I I guess if I had emotion or when things sink in that I'm I'm back is when I got the fight offer. Um when it lined up with my timeline for, for when I wanted to come back and my management, Uridium Sports, um, was able to link it up and, and we got the deal done. And, you know, the rest is just patiently waiting. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, December 19th, UFC Fight Night 185. This man will be in action. It's Carlton Minnis, and we're looking forward to the return of the gladiator himself. I give you it's Rick Glenn. Uh, Rick. Before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans uh, catch you at? Yeah, check me out on Instagram, Gladiator MMA. I have a web page, Rick Glenn MMA. Um, check out my videos on my sponsors, uh, Absolute MMA and Fitness, Combat Sports, and my management, Uridium Sports Agency. Thank you, guys. Rick Glenn, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show as he returns to action after a long layoff. We're looking forward to it. We come back, though. We got a whole lot more only on it is last call. Last call for the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay tuned for more great action.
And we are back once again, only on it is last call. Last call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now join me on the line once again. I want to thank first off my wonderful guest, Rick Glenn and Mike Rodriguez, who will be back in the cage soon to be octagon. But well, this man is uh he's counting down the minutes. We had our Thanksgiving turkey, we had our eggnog, the cops couldn't throw us out of our own homes, thank God, because some of them were also having eggnog and watching football. He's going to break it down, Dubois versus Joyce. And as he said, I paid money to see Mike Tyson just get in a ring and flex. I give you the, the crown jewel of the Northern Empire. The man that is beautiful about boxing, I give you it's Sir Manny Montreal. Uh, Manny, let's start off here. On a serious note, Dubois, Joyce, it's finally happening. I'm, you know, I'm getting a little tingly here. I'm getting excited. Is this could it could this be the heavyweight bout that we've wanted but we haven't had yet in terms of just non-stop violence? First of all, if all of my intros are going to be like that from the future, I think eggnog needs to become a regular thing for you. I Second can't. of all. <laughs> that and some wild jack turkey, but that's a whole different story, a different day. <laughs> um, listen. What a fantastic fight. Something that we rarely get in up-and-coming heavyweights. So many protected heavyweights. And uh, here we are with two of the, I would say, I would have to say two of the top five prospects in the heavyweight division right now about to face each other. Um, man, uh, if you're a fan of boxing, this this is the fight for you. Let's start off with, the so the odds on favorites, Daniel Dubois, and we've had him on the show. I've talked with him several times. Wonderful guy, you know. He's not maybe the most out, you know, flamboyant guy, but he is in the ring a virtuoso in terms of violence. This is a man who you look at him; he's put together. He's big as hell. Fifteen and 0, 14 knockouts. Every fight, he seems to be just trucking people. What makes him so dangerous? I mean, because you've seen him, you, you know, and we know he's only 23 years old. He looks like he fights older. Why is he such a beast in the ring, according to you? Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. He's like a combination of Evander Holyfield and George Foreman. Okay. And just and for, except for the fact that he's British. Now, George Foreman's uh, at heart just a, uh, crazy strong farm boy okay what at his, when you break down what george foreman was is he was a crazy strong farm boy just genetically stacked at birth with power ungodly power then you got evander holyfield who again at birth was given an athleticism that is rarely seen um Dubois has a combination of both of those things. Minus, you know, it, it seems like he's had a pretty decent upbringing. And, uh, you know, like I, a lot of people need their fighters to be hard or to, to come from tough backgrounds. And I understand that the, the greats come from tough backgrounds. However, uh, Dubois, regardless of his background, um, he was definitely not pampered, but regardless of his background, is uh, just so soft-spoken and good-natured. 
outside of the ring, like you said, but inside of the ring, he, he gets to explore those other things that make him uh, who he is, which is in large part a tremendously large, physically gifted athlete. Um, we haven't seen pure talent like this in a long time. Break down Joe Joyce. I mean, you we we, we talk about Dubois, and he's fascinating. As I said, I, I think he, win or lose, he's the future. Joe Joyce is a guy you who look and go. They've been speeding him up. They've given him if you Joe if Dubois has been put on this sort of path where it's like, all right, we're gonna you know baby step, baby step, baby step, baby step. Joe Joyce, you look at his record. It's been guys who are veterans, guys who are monsters at one point in their career. Uh, knocking out Bermain Stavern, knocking out, or I should say going the distance, but beating up Brian Jennings, uh, knocking out Alexander Yusinov, Michael Wallace. Uh, why is it we don't hear more about, you know, Joe Joyce in a lot of ways? It seems like right now, this last couple of months has been just Dubois, Dubois, Dubois. And I get it. He looks to part. He is basically, you could say, the most complete heavyweight you know, prospect, I'd say, since the Klitschko's, how good is Joe Joyce, for those who don't know, and why has he all of a sudden almost become this huge, underwhelming underdog against Dubois? Well, look, I'll, I'll say this, right? He's a meat and potatoes boxer. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? But there's nothing flashy about it. But he is a meat and potatoes boxer. As far as interest in his story, I mean... A lot of it, Dubois people seem to be gravitating towards just uh, in, in, by nature. But uh, the juggernauts had a bit of a tougher path. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you're pointing out that he has fought more veterans, right? Uh, I, I think fundamentals right now, as we speak right now, he's got a bit more fundamentals than Dubois. Dubois has done a lot with the gifts he's been given, right? Like you said, if he were to lose, he's probably going to come back from that and be stronger. Whereas in the juggernaut is seeing this as uh, a make it or break it situation. He's been in big fights with veterans before, guys that know what they're doing, but he's never been in there with an undefeated fighter. And I don't think he's taking it lightly. Uh, I think he sees the grandeur of this thing. And meat and potatoes pays the bills. And um, like I said, the fundamentals can break Dubois down. If if he comes in there with a good game plan and you know picks his moments right, he could he could definitely pick Dubois apart. Right now would be the time to fight Dubois because three years from now, I don't think anyone beats Dubois. You've been watching all these guys, guys both back and forth. Uh, let's talk about the one thing that strikes me is that there's this genuine dislike between both guys. And it's, I don't say it's hatred, but you can tell both guys have heard it from the other guy. Go, you know what? You really need to be smacked. I think if you're Dubois, you, I think he's been tired of Joyce just sort of the mocking here, you know, saying, oh, he's a kid. You know, I'm, you know, I've done more here. I'm the better, you know, I'm the better this and the better that. Joe Joyce can talk. He can sell a room out. He's very good at that. How much do you think in right now you're Joyce? And I think there's this, I'd say, jealousy. But right now, everybody who's in this plant, who follows boxing, whether you're a Dougie Fisher, whether you're 
you know, a Dan Raphael, whether, you know, your guys from even over, over the pond, they're talking about Dubois. I mean, Dubois is the man. He is the guy that you talk about. And you say he is the favorite. How much do you think that's been eating at both these guys that, you know, each guy looks at the other and goes, I just really don't freaking like you. Well, you, you, it's the interesting thing with boxing, right? Some guys need that. Um, and the, the dynamic's interesting because people tend to forget, right? Uh, you're headquartered in Massachusetts, right? Yep. All right. So now imagine for you, there's very little undefeated heavyweights out there, but imagine, if you will, if there was two young, promising young heavyweights and they're both in Massachusetts, and they're both undefeated. And every time one gets mentioned, the other gets mentioned. Every time. Simply because they're in the same area and within the same circles. And people from, I, I believe they've been talking about this matchup for these guys for a couple years now. So, you know, people forget that for a fighter, you know, you 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 just battered a guy, right? You you're all sweaty. You you climb out of the ring. You get to go do your interview, right? You, you have things you want to say. You have people you want to thank. And within thirty seconds, they're asking you about Joe Joyce, or they're asking you about Daniel Dubois. And the the hate that the mutual hate is kind of understandable. It's a professional. You know, they're, they're competitors. This is what it comes down to. You, a fighter fights for glory when it's all said and done, right? A lot of these guys don't make money in the beginning. So a lot of it's for the glory. So a fighter's DNA, his whole uh, makeup is based off of that. And how can you truly celebrate your triumph of having been victorious when they keep mentioning this person? When you, in your heart, know you could probably vanquish them. Well, that's where we're at. So the mutual hate's understandable. And like you said, uh, Juggernaut's no slouch on the mic. It's just, I think, like I said, there's something, there's something familiar about Dubois that we've felt before. And like I mentioned, you know, it's like I said, there's a little Evander, there's a little Foreman. You only do that when somebody gives you that, that, nostalgic feeling so i mean there's, there's nothing against uh you know joe joyce but you know it is what it is you've broken you were telling us about dubois and i'm looking at some of the highlights here against richard lardy uh, against ricardo snikers tim gorman who we had him we talked with him before the show and it seems everybody's tried something against Dubois. Uh, Lardy came out there and just threw out, you know, basically tried to chin check him. Tim Gorman, you know, the, that crazy little pikey, he just went out there, talked trash, yeah. mouthed off, uh, tried a lot of the Tyson Fury tactics. And in the end, as he said, it's in the end, in the end, it's, you know, the end is the end. It's basically Dubois landing one of those big, you know, big right hands or coming forward with, you know, a, a left hook and they're kissing canvas. Uh, what is it about him that, you know, you say that there's things to exploit. 
how tough is that though when as you said he's a six foot five 250 pound you know monster who he might have some of the best power this side of Deontay Wilder when I mean when you when he hits you it seems at times you just start flinching agreed however you know it's the youth it's the youth it's the experience I mean I I like the guy Put him in the ring against Tyson Fury. I, I'm betting on Tyson Fury. Because you need somebody that's going to impose their will on him and pepper him with jabs and confuse him and treat him like the bull that he is. You know, what? What? a guy like Tyson Fury is a perfect example against Deontay Wilder because where most men... After getting rattled by Deontay Wilder, were not able to recover. Fury was able to recover, and part of that was a psychological. Deontay Wilder had been used to seeing guys not be the same after he's hit them flush. Maybe they got back up, he didn't, and but they'd be ready to go back down. You get what I'm trying to say? And I do get what you're trying to say. So, for for me. For me, I, I, I think somebody with a little more experience, I think somebody um, who's got a bit more grit and that knows how to, uh, you know, weather the storm, so to speak, could maybe do something against them right now. That's why I say right now, because I think once the kid gets a bit of experience and puts in some serious rounds, we'll see some serious work from this guy. Um I will point out, you mentioned, uh, you know, how many veterans uh, the juggernauts face, but, uh, you know, Dubois fought more undefeated fighters. He's, you know, Joyce hasn't fought any. And Dubois, like, put away a couple guys' O's. And the reason that's important is because you're fighting a guy that's like you that's never been beat, right? And it's a couple times now that he, you know, does this, game of chicken so to speak with somebody else who's undefeated and he's not the one that pulled away on the curb joe joyce has never felt that joe joyce uh you know has never done it to someone else either he's beaten veterans but let's keep in mind what comes hand in hand with you know most veteran stories well you know you'll hear things like past his prime or you know, maybe a couple years ago, this would have been a more competitive fight. So veterans are good. Don't get me wrong. It's good to pepper him in there, especially when you're trying to build a, a, a fighter's career. However, it's not an end-all. Going back and forth in this, and as you said, it's been building because they were supposed to fight all the way back in April. That got postponed. Then July, that got postponed. Then October, that got postponed. But now they're fighting November 28th. Uh, are you surprised, though, at the betting lines? It went from a 50-50 fight to overwhelmingly Dubois. And it's only, they've only had a fight, you know, each of them has had a fight, you know, since COVID. Why do you make, what do you make of that? I mean, what is Vegas, or the bet, what are they seeing that we're not in terms of making Joe Joyce as high as, you know, a 450 underdog? Look, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. Um... It's not crazy science, right? And it's not the only answer. 
I'm sure. However, one answer I can give you is betting lines. So um, let's say uh, one let's say one fighter's uh, highlights are on a higher schedule of of being repeated out there for whatever reason. Social media is just cranking them out. Uh, or let's say more people, for whatever reason, are just betting on Dubois because they saw a highlight. Now, I, I know it sounds simple and rudimentary, but based off of highlights alone, I've seen betting lines change. Because people don't know their fighters. Some people, not like you and me, but some people only know about who's fighting this weekend this weekend. So usually they get to know the fighter in that little wrap-up they do in the video package before the fight that is fun for us, but in reality is made for the first-time watcher, which in big fights usually has a large portion of. So I'm betting, I'm guessing off of the betting and off of pay-per-view buys based on location that the... They're making their decisions based off of that. So it's basically the people are lemmings. The people see videos of highlights. The people make bets. The people make travel arrangements. The people buy tickets, buy pay-per-view. Well, in this case, no tickets. But, the, you know, people plan out their days now. And uh, they make their bets. So this is, you know, betting lines will move on, on people just betting one certain way for whatever reason. You know, the, there's people that bet on Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather, right? And if enough people would have fell for it for whatever reason, the lines would have changed and the fight would have got a little more even because they wouldn't have been able to handle the action should McGregor actually have won. You understand? I understand. Uh we get we, we got to wrap this up because we're pressure time. I got I got to ask about this Saturday's U.S. boxing card. Uh, it's Badu Jack Blake McKernan. It's Jermaine Ortiz, Suleiman Sagawa. We got Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson debut event. Former UFC cruiserweight Rashard Coulter. Best of luck to him against Hasim Rahman Jr. And your the the well, let's call it the uncle that you always wanted, but, well, he is not yours, unfortunately, man. DNA protests prove he's not. Mike Tyson against Roy Jones Jr. Why? I mean, I, I get it. You know, Mike still thinks he can do it. He's in great shape. Roy always, you know, doesn't want to give up, but he still thinks he can win a title. But when there's no – when knockouts won't be, you know, tallied, when, you know, there are no such things as scorecards – what are we doing here? Why is this a thing? Why is it that they've drudged up, you know, 55-year-old Mike Tyson and 49-year-old Roy Jones Jr. to do whatever it is they're doing? All right. So, first of all, I'm not the greatest person to, you know, talk about this. But, you know, mainly because I would watch Tyson do anything. But, and I would pay for it, gladly. But, um here's the thing okay i i need you to to take your hat off that you're wearing right now and i need you to put your pro wrestling hat on okay a little while back mike tyson was on uh aew 
right? And then, uh, you know, years before that, he was on the WWE. So he's no stranger to the showmanship that's required for all of that, right? Okay. Now, what does Mike love to do? Mike loves to box. Mike loves to box. How is Mike going to raise the most money for something he loves to do and for things that he cares about? Well, that would be fighting. Now, I say to you, when he's going to sell the fight, if he goes out there and says he wants to fuck Roy Jones in the ass, it'll be vintage Mike, but I'm not so sure it'll play as well this year. You still there? I'm here. I. All right. So how else does Mike sell this? How else? They do the video packages. They show him in shape. They do... The, the all the stuff that they do, they reach, they contact the regular media that they would normally contact. Everything is the same. Okay. So the one little hitch that people got a little freaked out by. Somebody came out there and said that the knockdowns aren't going to count and I don't know what. Don't worry. They're going to count because there's a betting line on this and that would have fucked everything. However, the reason why people need to fucking just pump their brakes on this, all right? Is the reason we need to keep quiet on this being a super uh, competitive event is because we're trying to raise money for drug addicts and homeless people. We're trying to help Mike do something he loves. And um, all the idiots that thought McGregor was going to beat Mayweather are buying this thing. Do you understand? These are the people that are going to pay $100 for a pay-per-view. These are the people that pay $70 for a pay-per-view. You mean both know the hardcores have ways, right? And those ways don't always pay. So who's the person that actually pays $70 for this? It's the guy like my coworker who knows nothing about boxing, but knows Mike Tyson's fighting this weekend. Knows nothing about boxing. You know, I could tell him Brock Lesnar's fighting this week. He'd be like, oh, yeah. He knows who Brock Lesnar is, but it would be news to him. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I get what you're trying to say. So, now, we got to keep quiet on it being a super ultra-competitive thing. However, this is still Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. I've done crazy things. When Roy Jones came to Montreal to do pad work for Jean Pascal, I did everything I could to be there just to watch it. Why? Because it's Roy Jones fucking around on the mitts. Now, that's me. I realize not everybody, because not everybody in the world was there. It was a press conference. It was a public workout. So some media was there. But... Well, you know, the opportunity to see these guys fight, for, to see them do what they do as fans now. I'm talking for us, not the lamos, right? But for us, it's the opportunity to watch these two guys that were arguably the two biggest fighters in my growing up generation um, fight, compete. You know, Mike, towards the end of his career, was the guy that would help a guy up after he knocked him down. 
He's not that same person anymore. And like I said, he can't promo this same anymore. And I don't think, you know, the fire may be reignited, right? But I don't think he can really turn that son of a bitch back on. Because if he does, it'll be no good for him. It, it turns everything else on. It turns the womanizing on. It turns the money on. It turns the drugs on. It turns, you get what I'm trying to say? I get what you're trying to say, Manny. Nah, I know I say that a lot. However, point is, um, you know, Mike is trying to soak up some of that love, some of that energy he used to get, some of that feeling. So is Roy to a certain extent. So am I for being one of the people that's going to be tuning in the watch, right? And then for all the other lamos, okay, they're going to get to see something that's more competitive than they deserve, right? Because I'm, I, I'll, I'll watch this over a YouTuber any day. They were on the zone. Don't come talk to me about this being a farce when they're letting kids that have cameras be fighters today simply because they pull pranks and have views. Ladies and gentlemen, that is why he is the treasurer of Canada. I'll give you Mandy Montreal. But we got to run. Unfortunately, we got to wrap this up once again for Mandy Montreal, for Mike Rodriguez, and for Rick Lynn. This is Chris Connor saying, Have a great weekend, everyone. I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Thanks only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay tuned for more great action coming up.